Hello everyone and God bless. We'll start off today as we always do with a prayer. Good Lord God, our Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Ruler of Heaven and Earth, blessed be your name. Lord, I thank you for the blessings you have given me in my life, the happiness um, you have given me and allowed me to feel, for the grace and kindness and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, I ask you to please fill my heart with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, good Lord. I ask you to fill my heart with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I ask you to please guide me through my life and help me to guide other people to you, good Lord God. Uh, praise and thanks be to you, good Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to start off with a reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 23, verse hold on, uh, 39 to 43. And one of the male factors, that's criminals, um, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, that's hanged up on the cross, obviously, so Jesus is on the cross here. I railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, um, answering rebuked him, saying, Dost, thou, uh, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me, when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me, paradise. So, interesting not to unpack there. Obviously, this is part two of the sort of mini-series. I'm starting with these, um, going through all the sayings of Jesus on the cross. This one's pretty evident. It's obviously going to be about salvation. So we're going to talk about what is salvation, um, who is going to be saved, and how, how are you saved, basically. So... If we look here, I suppose first of all we should do what is salvation. So a lot of people have a, a misunderstanding of salvation. There's um, basically they, they'll say, I'm saved, is what they'll say. They'll say, I'm saved, I am a Christian who is saved, I am saved by the grace of God, and so on and so forth. Now, there's nothing technically wrong with this. I say it, I know people who say it, there's nothing sinful, there's nothing wrong with saying this. It's just a little bit improper, if you will. It's not the correct, absolute correct usage of the word. Um, which is fine, you know, people know what you mean when you say that. You mean, I'm on the path to God, I'm on the path to salvation. If I were to die right now, I would go to heaven, that sort of a thing. But some people don't understand, because the Bible's quite clear, you cannot lose your salvation. And so, what uh, what some people will say is, well, therefore, if I cannot lose my salvation, and I'm saved right now, if I'm saved right now, I can't, I can't be unsaved, I can't lose my faith. And anyone who does lose their faith was never a true Christian to begin with. That's not quite true. You see, salvation is not a period, it's not a feeling, it's not a thing lasting a long amount of time, if you will. It's a single event. Salvation is when we get um, to the throne room to be judged. Salvation is when you go into heaven. So, it's that God says, well done, my good and faithful servant, and you get to go to heaven. That is your salvation. You are experiencing your salvation no moment before that where you you didn't experience salvation any moment before that nor any moment after that so people people can be on the salvation track people can be saved in the improper usage of the term if you will people can be on the path to god on earth but then come off that path and lose their faith and it could have been real true faith but they lose it and they go away off to the wrong path but once you're in heaven you're secure once you have experienced your salvation, you're secure. You cannot lose that. You cannot go from heaven to hell or hell to heaven. As a person, as a, as a believer, as one of us. 
angels can angels can go from heaven to hell. We see that with the devil and all of his angels, the great fall, of course. The devil, I believe, was a third of the angels of heaven rebelling against God, and obviously rebelling against God doesn't go very well, so they all went to hell. Or at least not going to hell on judgment day. Who knows what exactly the timeline is. I believe they're not in hell yet, but I believe they will be. Basically the same day everyone else goes to hell, or everyone else who is going to hell goes to hell. I believe that's when they will go. So that's what is salvation. Now we must look at how to be saved. So if we go back here and we look, um, it's verse 42 on chapter 24. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So what happens here? Is, it, is that how you're saved? You just have to say, Lord, remember me, and then you're done. Well, no, not quite. You see, the words that he spoke were not that saved were not the thing that saved him. They were the symbol of him being saved. So we get into things now called uh, grace salvation, grace-based salvation, and works-based salvation. Grace-based salvation is basically the idea you're saved, as um, Ephesians 2, 8 9 says, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And no other means. All you can do is accept that gift or not accept that gift. Right? Works-based salvation is the idea that you have to work your way into heaven. Now, this is not biblical. This is not true. I'll get into why in a minute. So we, we're under the grace covenant. We're under grace-based salvation. And so that's what's happening here. This man isn't saying to Christ, will you remember me? And Christ is going, he said the right thing, therefore he goes to heaven. Christ is saying, he said the right thing because he's accepted me. Because he's accepted me, he's accepted the gift, he gets to go to heaven. And that's the thing. See, no amount of works can save you. But works do show that you are saved. Think about it like this. When you turn a car on, it makes a noise, Right? If you turn the key in an ignition in the car, right, and no noise comes out, and there's just no, nothing's happening, you're just going to start thinking, okay, the engine's not working, there's something not going right, the car is just not turning on. You would never think, okay, the noise hasn't, hasn't started yet to turn on the car. You would never think the noise happens and the noise turns on the car. The noise is a, is a byproduct of the car being turned on. If there's no noise, the car probably isn't turned on, but that doesn't mean the noise turned on the car. It's the same with works and salvation. If there are no good works, if there is no change in your life, is there, if there is no genuine attempt to strive for better, chances are you're not saved. That's not because you're not doing the correct works that save you. It's because when you are saved, you have that relationship with God. And I'm using saved again in the improper um. Uh, term basically you're on the path to salvation you're on the path where should you die today you would go to heaven right when walking on that path you're focused on God you love God because you love God you want to do better by him and so you try to do better by him and that's good works you try and do better not because you want brownie points not because you think oh, I'll do these good things and now I'm definitely getting into heaven you know you're getting into heaven anyway it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're getting into heaven whether or not you do the good works. You love God, therefore you do the things that please him. It's not you want to go to heaven, therefore you do the things that will get you into heaven. When you have that faith, when you're um, filled 
with the Holy Spirit, you have that true saving faith. You will want to do the good works and therefore they will come naturally. They will not save you. So how are we saved then? That's how we're not saved. How are we saved? Well, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ, as Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says. For by grace are you saved, true faith um, is a gift of God and not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. I'm not reading that, I'm going off memory, so I might be off by a word or two, but I think that's basically it. So what that means is, the, well, the grace, you think, okay, we're saved by grace, true faith. Okay, well, we have to have grace. No, we don't. The grace is God's. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Obviously, Christ, that can't be of you at all. The grace is not yours. You are not gracious. You cannot be gracious. You are a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in the Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. That's all over the Bible. The only part you play is faith. Now, that does not mean I did this. If I have faith in Christ, that does not mean I am part of my salvation. To say that that faith um, in Christ is the, the same as you working towards your salvation is like someone going out, like a lumberjack going out, cutting it in the tree, taking it, cutting it up, making it into a nice table for you, we'll say, making it into a nice table and chairs, a lovely wooden thing they spend all this time on and all this blood, sweat and tears have gone into it and they bring it over to you and they offer you this gift and you say thank you and you put it down. And you say, and then someone else comes over and they, you, they see all the chairs and the table and all this that someone else has made. And you say, I accepted this from someone else. Am I great? I mean, uh, look, look at all. Don't I have great style? You know, don't I? Am I, am I so generous for, or am I so good at making tables? You know what I mean? Yeah, you accepted it. But it's not because of you that it's there. You could have sat there accepting it the whole time if... If it wasn't offered to you, it wouldn't be there, pretty much. It doesn't, like, you play such a minute role in it, it's almost no role at all. You just accept it. You just accept the table, you just accept the chairs. You're not great, you're not even like that, you just say, yeah, I'll have it. It's the same with salvation. You don't work for your salvation. You don't work for your salvation. You just accept it. You just accept it. Now, how does this work? How does this work? It works like this. The wage of sin is death. That's just how it goes. See, sin is a, it's like a crime. You think of the judicial system, right? Sin is like a crime. Now, some people try and say that you can work your way into heaven. You can't work your way out of prison, though. If you do good things and bad things, the good things are awarded, are rewarded, sorry, separately to the bad things being punished. If you were on trial in a court and you say, yeah, I did it, but... I've given €2 million Euro to charity in the last week, haven't I great? The judge is going to say, well done, you're a, that, that's great of you, but you've just admitted to doing the crime, so after prison you go. There's no amount of good work that can get you out of doing the prison time. There's no amount of being a good person that will make the judge say, okay, you don't have to go to prison for committing this crime. If they find out you've done it, you're going, you're going to go to prison. That's just the way justice works. And it's the same with God. When you sin, you are committing an infinitely horrible sin because you're uh, committing a sin against God who's infinitely good and anything that's against an infinitely good being is infinitely bad. And an infinitely bad sin deserves infinite punishment. That's punishment we have to pay. We deserve to pay because that's the way justice works. 
Good things get rewarded, bad things get punished. The two happen separately. There's no way in scale you balance it up and say you've done more good than bad, so you get rewarded, or you've done more bad than good, so you get punished. If you've done the bad, you get punished, no matter how much good you've done. And it's the same with hell. It doesn't matter how much good you've done. Once you do that one thing, that one sin, that's an eternally bad thing that you've done. Therefore, you deserve an eternal punishment based on that one sin alone. Never mind the lifetime of, lifetime of sin. All of us have lived and continue to live. But that's the gift of God. That's the gift of Christ. He died on the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift of God. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty. When we accept Christ into our life, what's happening is he's coming to us and he's saying, you deserve to pay this. This is your sin, your crime. You should do the punishment. I have paid the price and I'm offering to extend it to you, he says. He says, either you deal with it or I deal with it. It's getting dealt with either way. That's how justice works. Either I deal with it or you deal with it. And when you accept Christ into your life, you're saying, please, Lord, you deal with it. And God says, okay. But when you don't accept him into your life, you're saying, I will deal with it. I will pay the price for my own misdoings, for my own misdeeds. There you go. You go to hell. Because that is the price that must be paid. Is damnation. Eternal damnation for an eternally bad for an eternally bad sin there's no such thing as a small sin there's no such thing we all deserve hell God has given us a chance he's given us a way out we just have to accept it so that's salvation that's how you are saved now we must look at who is saved so there's going to be two groups of people who get to be saved Jews and Christians now I know that sounds strange, hear me out. I'm talking specifically about the Jews who lived before Christ's time. Afterwards, the Jews, obviously, they don't accept Christ, therefore they're not under the covenant anymore, they're not saved. But the Jews before Christ, now they took their, they took their faith very seriously, the Jews. They took it very seriously. And Judaism is, to this day, um, an ethno-religion. It means that you can be born Jewish, but you can't stop being Jewish, basically. You can be born Christian and become an atheist and you're not Christian anymore. You can be born into a Jewish family and then become an atheist. You're still a Jew in terms of your ethnicity. That's how important it was to these people that it's their ethnicity as well as their religion. And of course, you can be a, a Gentile who becomes Jewish if you want. That's a big, long process itself. Um, I've heard, I know someone who tried to convert and... Uh, it's a very big, long, lengthy process, but it can happen. But generally speaking, it's an ethnicity. It's, it's a people. That's how important it is to them. That It's not just a religion that you can come in and out of. It's a, an actual ethnicity. And of course, that's because of how important it's always been to them and how strict they've always been about it, all the way back to the time of uh, Moses freeing the Jews, freeing the slaves out of Egypt. And ever since then, they've been in the covenant with God. Well, sorry, no. They started in the covenant with God, then Jesus came and the old covenant ended. Um, so obviously all the Jews who were alive at that time, the, the vast majority of them are probably going to be in heaven. Because the vast majority of them, sure they were sinners, sure there was all this different stuff, but they were much closer to God. 
when they and the rules were much stricter. When they sinned, they sacrificed the goat that the sin was paid for. And of course, of the ones who won't be saved from before Christ's time, most of them are Pharisees. Most of them are the false teachers who abandon God for their own purposes, their own reasons. But the majority of the Jews from that time weren't Pharisees. The majority of the Jews were godly people, as godly as anyone can be. This is the time of people like Job, um, people like Moses, people who were considered good people. As Obviously no one can be a truly good person, but they are as good as people can be. And now, after Christ comes in, the laws are slightly relaxed a bit, and now anyone's allowed in. It's not, it's not this exclusive club anymore. It's not this thing that it's your ethnicity anymore. Anyone can come in and, and be a follower of the one true God. They have to accept his son, or they have to accept Christ, who is obviously also God. And it's just sort of, it's not the same, really, when you look at it. Because where before Christ, I think the majority of the Jews who live before Christ are saved... I think that the minority, the minority of Christians who lived after Christ, which is every Christian to be fair, but still, the minority of the Christians who've ever lived are saved. I genuinely believe that. There were more genuine believers than Pharisees in Judaism. But we look today, there's more Pharisees than there are genuine believers. There's more people who've abandoned God for the world. There's more people who say, this is inconvenient. This part of the Bible is inconvenient. I don't want to believe it. Um, this teaching, it's, in, it's inconvenient. I don't want to believe it. I'm going to go off and believe my own things. I'm going to believe in crystals and witchcraft and fairies and so on and so forth. And all this other stuff that the Bible is either against or just <laughs> says doesn't exist and so on and so forth. And they go on and they say, oh, I'm still a Christian. I'm still a Christian. Jesus wasn't God. Um, you know, the, 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 half the Bible's made up. Um, anything I don't like doesn't ha it doesn't exist, but yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> like these, these, these are Pharisees. The strict difference being, a lot of these people, some unfortunately are, but a lot of these people aren't preachers. They aren't teachers. Some unfortunately are, like I've said, but a lot of them aren't. That's that's really the only difference between the Pharisees who took the Bible or what the Scriptures, the Torah, whatever, made their own thing out of it. We see so many people doing that in the modern day, and it's incredibly unfortunate. And, and now it's Christianity is worldwide you know anyone throughout the entire world can be a Christian which is an amazing thing but it doesn't mean that they're all saved when you think about it I don't think that they're all saved I know they're not and there's, there's, I think the vast minority of Christians are not saved and I think that's incredibly unfortunate and the worst part is a lot of them don't want true salvation. They think they do. They think they, they, they want a relationship with God. They think they want to be saved. But what they really want is just to go to heaven. They believe that there's a hell and they don't want to go there. Or they just decide not to believe that there's a hell because they really don't want to go there. And if they don't believe it exists, well, they're always right. Therefore, it can't exist, so they're just going to go to heaven anyway. And that's all it is to them. It's not a relationship. It's not about love. It's about, no, it is about love. It's about, God loves me, therefore I go to heaven. God loves me, therefore I am great. Now that's not true. I want to talk about this very quickly as well, is why God loves us, before I move on. There's a thing you might see passed around often in um, sort of more uh, sceptical circles. Is you know, this whole big, the picture of the universe, how big it is, how massive it is, then how tiny you are. 
or like a little dot representing you and how tiny you are compared to it and you say oh why on earth would god love you look how tiny you are compared to the universe why are you so special that god loves you that's narcissism and they're right that is narcissism the belief that i am so special so god loves me that's narcissism god does not love you because of who you are you're not special you don't deserve god's love neither do i i'm not special i don't deserve it i don't deserve it any more than than the floor deserves it or than the ceiling deserves it i don't God does not love man because man deserves it. God does not love man because of man's qualities. God loves man despite man's qualities because of God's qualities. That's why he loves us. It has nothing to do with who we are and everything to do with who God is. You see, having from the human perspective, having a favourite planet or species or whatever, when you look at the entire vast scope of the universe... Is like having a favourite grain of sand at the beach. No, it doesn't make any sense. But when you look at how big God is, there's no size that's ever going to be impressively big to God. He's infinite. There is no size that can ever exist at all, no matter how monstrously big, that God thinks, well, that's big. That's impressive. It's never going to happen. So to God, having a favourite like planet and people and so on, all the universe... It's like a normal person having three pairs of shoes and preferring one pair to the other two. The other two. Makes more sense because it's not that big to him. And so that's what we need to understand. It's just how big he is. He's so much bigger than us. And that's why he loves us, because he can. Because that's how big his love is. And so that's what we must do as believers, is accept his love. He offers it to us. We accept it. And that's the only thing we do. We don't work for it. We work because we love him. We don't work to be saved. If you work to be saved, you're not saved. It's just how it goes. Because you're putting it on yourself. You're not giving it to God. If you put it on yourself to pay the price, you will pay the price. It's as simple as that. So we'll end off now with a prayer. Good Lord God, our Father, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Ruler of Heaven and Earth, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for um, for the grace and forgiveness you've shown all of us, good Lord. Thank you for coming down 2,000 years ago and dying on the cross for us, good Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be saved and for paying that price for us, Lord, and doing it because you love us. Thank you, good Lord. Praise and thanks be to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for listening and God bless.